Hello, and welcome to a bonus edition of the Wheels in Motion podcast, a show dedicated to logistics in a lean manufacturing environment. Hopefully you've already listened to our second episode where we address the role that KPIs and data reporting can play in achieving your lean initiatives. The episode had great content but was edited down to keep it short. In this bonus edition, we're going more in-depth and giving you the full discussion with even more helpful hints to ensure your success. If you like what you hear, you should check out our data analysis webinar on May 23rd to hear and see more from Ross. You can find the link to that webinar in the description of the podcast below. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more logistics expertise. Enjoy. located in Anderson, Indiana. In our last podcast, we had interviewed John Willman, who discussed the lean elements of a supply chain. Um, Today's discussion is going to turn to the data piece of a supply chain and how to obtain the data to accurately gauge if your company is on the right track. Uh, Today, I'll be moderating this podcast, which focuses in on the tracking mechanisms which should be considered in a world-class lean supply chain. My background is a combination of 18 years of a CF, as a CFO of a publicly traded uh, transportation company, uh, along with 12 years running mid-sized trucking companies, and then the last year, eight years, being here at Carter Logistics in charge of the supply chain. Uh, Part of my duties also entail uh, being in charge of the sales organization of Carter. And accordingly, I'm out in front of customers quite often talking about their supply chain and trying to address uh, how to solve their supply chain issues. Uh, Today we have with us Ross Clark, who is a supervisor of our analyst department. Ross, if you could let the listeners know what your background is. Sure, Dick. Um, So originally I'm from um, England and I moved over to America in 2010 and attended Butler University. Um, Got my undergraduate in accounting and finance and most recently I got my master's um, in accounting and finance at Anderson University. Um, I've been working at Carter for three years. Um, As you said, I'm now a supervisor of the analyst department. So manage a team of five, six analysts that are dedicated to multiple accounts across the Carter network. Um, and, and yeah, so. All right, well, let's get started today on the building block of the supply chain, which is really the data integrity piece of the supply chain. Ross, if you could take us through how we assure that the data which you're analyzing and that you're looking at daily is accurate and relevant. Yeah, sure. Um, data integrity is very, very important in the day-to-day um, work that my team does. Um, we're only as good as the data that we receive. So a lot of our time is cleaning data, make sure it is in, a, in a, a format that we can manipulate and look into the trends and the cubes and, 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 and the rest of the KPIs that we look at. So with the data integrity, we have the, um, the shared Milcron system that has 380 routes per day. Um, all that freight runs through our cross stocks. Uh, we have one cross stock in Anderson, Vandalia, Romulus, uh, Knoxville, 
Paragold and Laredo, as well as some Intramexico crosstalks in Queretaro and, um, and Lyon. Um, so with that crosstalk integration, this freight comes into the crosstalk and is scanned um, through our scanning system, and that information gets fed, fed into our TMS system. Um, so with this TMS system, um, we are, with the analysts are able to extract all of the data that, that got input into the TMS, uh, TMS system in Excel. And that's where we start a lot of our work. Um, and the shared milk crumb is kind of, best way to explain it is it's kind of like rideshare for Uber. Um, we basically are doing that with a different commodity in terms of freight. Um, so, so that's the unique selling point uh, or the unique point that we have at Carter. Um, and that shared milk run is a very effective way to drive down costs and lean out supply chains. In terms of the cube um, utilization with this scanner system, the scanner system actually calculates the cube of each trailer that comes inbound and outbound to our cross dock. And that's a very, very key um, point that our team uses to see the trailer efficiencies and for us to start our raw analysis on inefficiencies and how we can be more lean going forward and, uh, and also try and drive down co uh, customer cost along the way. So as I understand it, Ross, you're looking at 380 routes per day and you're getting that data daily um, on your desk in the morning to analyze. Um, to tell me a little bit about what you do daily with that data and kind of your weekly. Obviously, you're getting this data five times a week. Tell us a little bit about your daily activities and your weekly activities. Sure. Um, as I said, with the scanning system, uh, midnight every night, um, our TMS system, we, it basically rolls over and we can access that data from the previous day. Um, so every morning, um, we're already running reports to see if any of the freight from the previous day overflowed, what routes they were, looking at um, whether a certain supplier shipped more that day. Um, or less that day and kind of starting at a base point there. So overflows is a big thing that we're all constantly looking at um, and looking at the cube utilization of those trailers is that it's kind of a, a baseline that we look at. And when we're talking about the cube utilization of the trailers, we're looking at around 80 to 85% fill rate. Um, it's great to get to 90%, but we always try to leave a buffer of 10 to 15% just in case a supplier ships more that day than what they, than they were scheduled to. Um, so we, if, we're, if our routes on average around 80 to 85%, we're, we're pretty efficient in that respect. So the routes that we're looking at is we run a report that we look at routes that are under 50%. Um, those routes are already highlighted um, within our analyst team. Um, we will go through each route, say there's 10 routes, um, we'll assign two or three different routes to a certain analyst to look into why that cube utilization has decreased. Is it an, an impact that's happened recently or is it a trend that's going to be going forward? And from that point on, we would liaise with the customer and, and discuss other, other routing options to make sure that we can get that trailer utilization um, filled up. Okay. So what I heard is that you're really focused in on trying to maximize the back of the trailer to 80% cube so that you can make allowances for overflows and additional spikes in uh, parts that might have to be picked up during a day. Uh, quite often when I'm out talking to customers, I have customers ask me or tell me, uh, why, should I, why should I look at a shared milk run? I've got a dedicated milk run running right now, and when I look at that back of the trailer, when it hits my dock door, it's 80 to 90% cubed. 
I'm maximizing that inside dimension of that trailer. How do you, how do you respond to that question, Ross? I mean, it's a great point um, that you bring up there, Dick. Um, I mean, the real test is how many miles did it take of the total route um, to get that trailer cubed? And what was the real cube utilization when taking into account the complete trip? Was it on the pickup, was it on the ride or the line haul, or was it on the delivery? Um, by being able to combine customers, um, we were able to get that trailer cubed out earlier during the trip um, than under dedicated routes. And the additional benefit of, of being shared is um, in, terms of, in terms of cost savings and adding supplies to routes, um, having that shared utilization gives flexibility in the future of, of driving down costs where with a dedicated uh, milk run, um, you you kind of you're it's up to the their suppliers on that customer. Um, you not you've not got as many moving moving objects that you can um, fill that trailer with. So that's definitely a benefit of having that shared trailer utilization. All right. So you are looking at the data uh, for on a weekly basis, as I understand, for all of the routes. How many routes do you change per week? Uh, so out of your 380 routes that were run, that the company is running, how many of those are changed and you implement change weekly on? Yeah, on a weekly basis, um, our, our main aim is to approximately change about 3% of these routes on a weekly basis. So off of 380 routes, that's roughly about, roughly about 10 routes per week. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, that's a challenge that we we challenge ourselves as, as a department to make sure that we're constantly looking and reviewing at the data that gets fed into our system and looking at, for, looking at trends and opportunity that we can, we can uh, increase efficiencies along the way. Um, but obviously making these decisions, there are several factors that come into play um, where it comes down to overflows, determining if they're short-term issues or whether they're long-term issues planning the supply chain changes by our current customers. We obviously have to discuss the changes we plan to make. So when, we're, when we actually look at a, a route change, it's probably two weeks, two or three weeks in the making before that route is actually changed. So every week, it's a t normally a two, two or three week process of reviewing that change, getting approval by the customer, looking into the cost savings that it potentially supplied, um, and getting that approved to push through. So. So it sounds like you're in ongoing communication with the customer base to discuss these changes. Um, is that is that correct? Yep, correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we um, we have weekly calls um, with with most of our customers. Um, we at least touch base at least once a month, but most of our customers on a on a, on a weekly basis. Um, so we have a team. Um, it will be say for myself. There will be operations. Um, there will be customer service. There will be different um, representatives from each department. Um, and essentially, we just have a weekly call with the customers and normally last an hour um, and go through issues that we saw last week, um, inefficiencies that I have found along the way, improvements that, I, that I'm proposing, and just kind of touch base with the customer and, and have a weekly catch-up um, and obviously produce the KPIs, which I know we'll get, we'll get onto later okay. on in the podcast. Okay. Well, good. Uh, so, so far we've touched on the data integrity piece, which really is, as I understand it, Ross, is coming off of the cross-stock and our technology um, on the cross-stock. The second piece that we've touched on is, uh, on a granular basis, how you're addressing routes daily and weekly. Uh, let's turn the page over to KPIs and how you're reporting KPIs back to the customer base. 
Uh, obviously, there's two there's two important parts of KPIs from a customer standpoint, at least what they've communicated to me, and that is the operational piece of the KPI, and then the reporting and the data piece of the KPI as to you know, where the cost is being spent. So could you just kind of touch on both of those pieces? Sure, yeah. Um, KPIs is, is very, very important. It's, it's, um, it's a very hot topic whenever we're speaking to our customers, making sure that we have KPIs, have the right data that's in them. Operationally, as you said, um, if, if, a, lot of, a lot of companies are working on a just-in-time manufacturing system, and um, that puts a lot of more pressure on the supply chain and the accuracy of the supply chain, uh, making sure the customers are aware of where the freight is, um, kind of the visibility side of it. But we track um, on-time delivery, so for each of our customers, um, especially on the weekly calls, one of the, one of the spreadsheets that we go over is we look at the routes that were late for the previous week, um, we count them up, and then we look at how many of them were in our control or how many of them were out of our control. So kind of touch on, touch on that, um, what could be in a customer control, um, supplier loading delays. So if we have a shared meal crunch, there's four route, there's four stops. If the first supplier on that route is holding our trailer past uh, the normal 30-minute window time and it's held, it's get held for two hours, then that obviously has a snowball effect on the rest of the route. So if a supplier is holding our, our trailers, you know, we, we do our best to get it released, but it's then going to be late for the next supplier or ne and the next supplier. And then if it's late to the plant, then we also track plant lateness as well because those routes are obviously the last stage of the delivery. Um, in terms of some of the things that are on our control, drivers need not leaving on time, equipment issues, either it's the tractors or the trailers, um, dock-related issues in terms of holding freight for late inbound um, routes, um, so th there's some of the things that are, are in our control. So we list those on each of the routes. So if I see a trend where on a certain route the driver's been, the driver's been departed late the past three times uh, out of the week, then I know to speak with operations about, hey, check in with the driver here. Is everything okay with the driver? Noticed he's, he's, been, he's, he's dispatched three days late. Um, and we kind of track those issues as well. Some of the non-controllable stuff is obviously accidents, weather-related weather de delays and, and border crossing. Um, th those are some of the things that are non-controllable, but KPI-wise, we, we track all of those and we make sure they get communicated to the customer. Okay, so as I understand it, all the operational KPIs are reported back to the customer. Items that are within your control we're dealing with the operations to drive those issues out of the system. Correct. And some of the items are non-controllable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, well then let's turn the page and let's talk about cost. As a ex-CFO of a company, obviously I was always concerned about where my dollars were being spent. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're reporting back to organizations on the cost side and uh, the detail that you have that's available to your customer base. Sure, yeah. As we discussed before, the, the, the great thing about um, the data that's in our TMS system and the scanning system with the crosstalk is, is the format of the data. So we have everything to, from the weight, the skids, the cost, the fuel adjusted cost. Um, and with that data, our team can pretty much back out the fuel if they just want to see transportation spend. Um, so regularly we do normally do a quarterly report that we basically do a quarterly cost per route um, in terms of the pickup, because obviously there could be a chain in terms of the supply chain could be a pickup in, in Romulus or in Michigan and, it, and it's going to Laredo. It might get line hauled to Anderson and then further line hauled to, to Laredo for a delivery, say to Mexico. We'll break out the pickup, 
the each line haul or each ride and the delivery and show the average cost per route and then look at um, suppliers that are uh, maybe costing more than others um, in that respect and uh, something else that we do as well is we look at we look at the routes obviously the routes that are larger miles in terms of distance um, that they're the they're the routes that obviously the longer the supply chain um, the more that can possibly go wrong so operationally we we make sure we have eyes and ears on everything um, in terms of a cost standpoint I would be I would look at the supplier and if I have a supplier that in our network it's a very long route and it's not really a cost effective route um, we would maybe speak to purchasing and be like hey this is a really expensive route for you guys or sourcing from this supplier is really expensive um, you might want to look at um, other options or if you where all of our routes are in the Midwest or wherever it may be you might want to look into the purchasing side of moving that supplier to a, to a route that's not spending so much money um, in terms of the miles that you're spending on that route. So we definitely we definitely touch upon a lot of the cost. I mean, my experience working at Carter, um, customers want great customer service and to drive down their cost as much as possible. And and that's the that's the challenge for me and my team. Um, but reporting this is obviously um, a really important aspect of what we do and. Those quarterly reports are very important and we can include the cube, the average cube of the trailers. So pretty much with our data, we have a lot of, um, lot of, lot of things that we can do with that data to present um, good, strong cost KPIs to the customers. Okay. How about uh, my, let's say I'm a customer and I've got a supplier base that I do not believe is following lean principles, either our purchasing department is not ordering level or the supplier is not shipping level. What type of tools do you have available to identify that? Sure. I mean, that's, that's an issue that, uh, that obviously comes up um, on, a, on, a, on an often basis in terms of suppliers suddenly shipping 10 skids when they're, or 20 skids when they're only meant to ship, say, five. And that spike in that, on that specific day um, could cube out a trailer and then cause an overflow. So obviously we want to avoid overflows and expedites. It's one of the number one rules in logistics. Um, so in terms of the data that we provide, if we do see an overflow, um, we obviously look in, we drill into why did it happen. Someone, the, tra the trailers don't change size, right? So someone must have obviously, a supplier must have shipped more that day than, than they were maybe scheduled to do. So we had the data and we'd run chart, pivot charts and basically look at what suppliers have shipped unlevel. So on a monthly basis for a lot of our customers that we do is we would send them a monthly uh, report broken down by each plant that shows each supplier and you can just filter through um, this pivot chart and essentially see for the whole of the previous month the levelness of the skids shipped on that specific route or for that supplier. So it, I normally look into that and I normally send to the customers the top 10 suppliers that I see are unlevel because obviously when a supplier is shipping unlevel, it makes it hard to really utilize the trailer as efficiently as, as we, we would originally plan. Got it, got it, thank you. Uh, your department, it sounds like your department is a very value add department to our customers. Uh, can you kind of walk us through how you, how you kind of calculate your value to our customer and what are you challenged with as far as savings initiatives by our customer base annually? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, our, our department is, is, is very heavily involved with a lot of the customers um, in terms of implementing the cost savings and ideas and the work that goes into those, those ideas and then getting approval with the customers. In terms of, um, in terms of the savings initiatives, um, in terms of new business, 
the first year, we, you, we can normally see a lot of inefficiencies. So our team will, will be able to very easily see certain inefficiencies and, and see the ways we could drive down costs and increase cube utilization. Obviously, as we know, as we get more and more efficient over years and years and years with a customer, with, uh, you know, there could be new suppliers to get added to the milk run, but, you know, the savings do become more and more challenging. So we have to be more and more creative with, the, with how we approach our route changes. But generally speaking, um, clients can expect, especially in the first year, definitely around 10% of, of annual spend um, in savings. And our internal goals um, are normally at least 5% uh, year over year after mm -hmm. that. Um, every customer that I've been involved with or that I've seen since my, time, my three years here have always, um, always... When we do our QBRs, they're always very impressed with the numbers that we hit in terms of the savings. And obviously, I'm thankful for my team because I know we all work pretty hard to, to make sure we can deliver that because that is a very unique selling point of what we do, um, Dick, you know, in terms of shared milk run. Um, our department, that is our main challenge to, you know, be there with the customer and propose and implement those savings ideas. Okay. If I'm a customer, <clears throat> should I... Should I expect a standard format to present changes? So I'm not looking at five different methodologies based upon different analysts as far as change, uh, looking at financial changes or changes within my supply chain in the financial effect of those changes. Sure, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so what, the way we present, we present everything in a standardized template. It's the same for every single customer. And the reason we do this is obviously to, to make it easy for them to, to understand what the process is and what's gonna change on their route. So it's normally on a current to future state. Um, so we break it down, we show the route, what it, what it currently looks like and what the future state of that route will look like. And we kind of go down from there. And it's a very easy to read an Excel document. Um, and it's the most important thing for us. It's great for us to come up with the ideas, but the most important thing is to, to have the customer understand what changes are gonna happen and for them to understand um, changes, you know, whether it could be a decrease in transit time for inventory control or change in window times. Um, so from our end, we normally speak to the suppliers and say that we're proposing a cost savings initiative. And sometimes that often means um, changing window times and window time pickups. Obviously, it's a big thing because of dock doors. Some suppliers are larger than others. Um, so before we actually present or pitch the idea to the customers, we do contact the suppliers and, be, and say, hey, we're looking into this idea. Nothing's changing yet, but if we, if this proposal was um, was accepted by our mutual customer, would you be able to agree to this new window time? So we get authorization with the supplier before we would ever go ahead with a plan. Uh, we make sure this is why they can take two to three weeks sometimes to implement because we need to make sure that we have every every base covered. Um, and then the other part of that is when that route change say happens on a, the next Monday. Um, our team is constantly looking on a daily basis of how is that route change going? It, there is, no, is there any overflows? Is it going smoothly? Is there any suppliers holding our trailer? So we do follow up and, and, and look into that as well. So that is a very, very good point. Okay. So not only you're presenting it in the same format, but as I understand it, you're looking in the rearview mirror to say those, have those changes actually materialized into the financial savings that were expected? Sure. Good, good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, implementation of new customers. And a lot of customers come to us and say, and they have a question as to how much does your analyst get involved in the implementation of new accounts? What, 
What type of time period can I expect for a smooth implementation? Can you take us through a little bit about uh, the implementation process and the timeline related to the implementation process? Yeah, of course. Um, so the very first step is what we try to do is we have the, we have the sales, um, sales team. If we can get data, so a sales member would get the data. Uh, normally we, we prefer around three, three to six months or even a year's data. Um, to basically analyze. So we'd get the data, the raw data, we would clean that data up, and then the first stage is quoting on that, on that business, so to speak. So we work with our pricing team, and we look at every single OD pair that we get from a, from a data set. We look at whether we can put that on the milk run, which will also help drive down the current customers on that route. Um, shared cost, um, where we need to consolidate. So we basically do a general routing plan um, and quote on that on an RFQ, so to speak. If we are successful, um, then the analyst team is, is always a very, very pivotal part in the implementation process. But we also have um, our operations team, um, our free PL team. Um, it's a very, very much a team effort um, to have the successful implementation of, of a customer. One of the things that I've, from my experience uh, here, is making sure that the implementation is truly planned out and not rushed. Um, obviously, there's instances where where implementations have to be rushed, and there's a day to meet, and we obviously we handle it and we and we get through it. But it's always great to have a month or two months to actually successfully, smoothly implement um, that new customer, whether it's an on, and onboard it in terms of having rates uploaded into our system, contacting all of the suppliers, making sure they're aware of their shipping schedule and how they're going to ship. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, we, we normally have a, we, from my, my experience with the implementations, um, at least once a week call with the new customer. Um, and we have a Gantt chart. So we, we start off really, really stripped down to the bottom in terms of we have a Gantt chart that basically has um, tasks for people to, to basically complete on a weekly basis. And then the next week we'll check in, hey, we can't go to the next stage of this project or this implementation until you've finished your task. So we kind of run it, run it back to front in terms of um, looking, looking into it in, in depth detail. And then obviously once, um, once an implementation is, is has hit the date of implementation, we normally send a continuous improvement team to, um, to or whether it's an analyst or a member of our, of our team, um, to um, their facility, or just to basically make sure everything's going smooth, um, touching touch base with the customer. Um, so yeah, it's, implementations are, are obviously very, very key to what we do, both for us and for the customer, so. Well, let's, let's kind of wrap this up. And as a supply chain manager, what type of questions should I ask to identify how I'm doing as far as data collection is concerned and the amount of data that I'm getting on my supply chain. What type of questions would you ask Ross to identify checkpoint-wise how I'm progressing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, there's, there's multiple things you should be asking if, um, from your service provider for sure. Um, one of the main ones is, are you getting cube informa information from, this, from your service provider? Are they showing you on a, on a weekly or even, a, even at least a monthly basis the cube utilization of all of the routes that you're participating on? Um, that's obviously a very key area because you, you don't really want to be participating on a route that has a 30% um, cube ratio. You, you want to be part of a route that has 80-85%. Um, so definitely in terms of um, cube, that you, you definitely need to be getting that from your service provider. And also, is the service provider you're with um, proactively reviewing the lanes 
um, and the cost containment initiatives. So I know we touched upon the unique, unique, the uniqueness of us coming up with savings ideas. The other side of that is us auditing those savings ideas, making sure that those um, savings ideas actually happened. Because these savings ideas might have been based off of three months of historical data, the past three months or the last month. So it's important that once we implement those savings initiatives and present them, that we're also checking that they're actually following the trends and the, the projections that we, we initially made. So that's definitely something as well that um, a service provider should be showing you um, as a customer um, as well. Um, you know, do you get um, carriers on time service reports? There's a basic KPIs really that we do in terms of cost information by plant. Do you have cost by supplier? Um, is your service provider touching base on a weekly basis and presenting those KPIs and not just presenting them, but walking you through them, making you understand what this means or how we can change this and it will have a, a, a positive effect in a different way. So kind of that general uh, KPIs is obviously very, very important. And do you understand um, what suppliers are shipping uh, level and what suppliers are shipping uneven? I mean, um, it's, it, it's basic KPIs like this that can really change your cubulization from, say, 60% to 85%. Um, it, it, there's, there's very basic things that um, should be presented to, you, to, to customers um, in terms of that respect. Um, and you know, and the other thing is, are we tracking overflows and expedites? We know overflows and expedites, especially in terms of transit time, has to be adhered to with just-in-time manufacturing systems. Is your service provider going over your, tra your premium transpo transportation spend, whether it be in an ex expedites or whether it's being in overflows? And Sometimes it's inevitable that there's going to be an overflow or an expedite, but what, are, what is your service provider doing to um, mitigate those risks and mitigate those um, high spend cost um, outcomes in terms of the expedites and, and overflows? Uh, but yeah, th those, are, those are definitely some of the key points that I would be asking my service provider um, for, for those basic reporting um, some duties. So. Well, thank you, Ross. Uh, the information today was very informative. Thank you very no much. Problem. Uh, as, as the listeners know, the auto industry, uh, with the development down in Mexico and the manufacturing down in Mexico, there's been a lot of near sourcing uh, that Tier 1s have done uh, down in Mexico. In our next podcast, we'll be focusing in on the Mexico marketplace, uh, the import-export market, uh, going into Mexico and out of Mexico and also intra-Mexico operations. There's a lot of differences between supply chains down in Mexico and the supply chains up here in the U.S. and we're going to be touching on that during our next podcast. We're going to have our country manager of Mexico Juan Ortiz with us uh, to go through uh, the differences between the supply chains. Thank you very much for your time today. for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have any questions or requests for an upcoming episode, please email us at marketing at carter-express.com. Special thanks to Carter Express and Carter Logistics. Music for this podcast was composed by Phil Larson. Check him out at phillarson.net.